Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's lovely to have you joining in today on this special Thanksgiving edition of The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. I'm Pam Pastor, your host for this episode, and I'm happy that you found me, but more importantly, I'm thrilled that you have found Jesus. Friends, there's power in the name of Jesus, and as we journey together, we'll be unleashing discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of multiple clay for the potter, Jesus, to transform. So hopefully you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends, we do delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, friends, as we prepare to enter into God's presence today, allow me to speak a blessing over your life. This comes to us from Moses' brother, priest Aaron. It comes in the form of a benediction. Traditionally, this is given at the end of a worship service, but I like to bless my listeners right up front. So may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, you know, we all experience moments of heartfelt gratitude and thankfulness in our lives, but how do we remain in this posture, incorporating it into our daily walk with God? We're going to explore that today. And we begin by looking at the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, and we learn from Moses that God told the people of Israel to bring their peace offerings personally with their own hands. They were to take their time and their own effort to express thanksgiving to God. You see, we are the only people who can express our thankfulness to God and to others. We must never rely on anyone else to express thanks that we have placed within our hearts for what others have done. We need to incorporate our own spirit of thankfulness to God and then say so. We're not created to piggyback off the prayers of others. Now, in the beginning of our faith walk as new believers, it's okay to have help in adopting ways to enter into a space of heartfelt connection with God, moving us into conversation with Him for all of the exceeding and abundant blessings He has given us. You know, we enter into His courts with thanksgiving and praise when we start to prayerfully communicate with God. But there comes a time when the proverbial training wheels must be removed. Our thankfulness is born out of a deep need for connection with our Father God. When we take this time to express our thanks both to God and to others He's placed into our lives who have helped us along our journey, we'll live richer, more meaningful lives. I often thank God for the miracle of His Son Jesus within my very own life. Father, on this Thanksgiving, we give you thanks for the miracle of life. We're more than appreciative for our hearts that continue to beat in unison as they march forward. We're grateful for air in our lungs and joy-filled spirits. Thank you for hemming us in with a hedge of protection and clothing us with a garment of praise. Your blessings are many, too numerous to count. You provide us with an abundance of sustenance, good health, 
plentiful work, family, and friends. For all of this, we are deeply thankful. Father, keep our minds centered upon you and free of distractions and dissatisfaction. We know when our attention shifts or swings away from what's really important in our lives, we become unsatisfied and tend toward complaining. The Israelites were guilty of this when they didn't notice all that God was doing for them in their lives. He was setting them free from bondage to the Egyptians. He was making them a new nation and giving them a new land. Yet all they could do was focus upon what God wasn't doing for them. Their minds flash back to the delicious foods the Egyptians prepared for them. The scripture says in Numbers chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, We remember all the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic that we wanted. But now our appetites are gone, and day after day we have nothing to eat but this manna. The Israelites seemed to be ungrateful towards God because they had momentarily slipped into spiritual blindness. And at times we too experience this phenomenon. This is why we're told to always count our blessings, be thankful and say so. When we follow this advice, a change floods our entire being and the good momentum helps us to live out of a positive and optimistic life. The Israelites had become short-sighted in their longing for this decadent food that they had left behind. They had forgotten about the brutal whip of their oppressors, the Egyptians. The cost they paid for eating this food was being captives and held as slaves. In our present age, we too are captive at times to what holds our attention. If it's anything other than God, we must be careful that an idle relationship is not being formed or has been formed. God had moved the Israelites out of captivity and was supplying them with a daily miracle of manna, which became routine to many of the people who would begin to grumble. Manna was a fluffy, pale, yellow food that was literally heaven sent to sustain the men, women, and children. Best yet, God delivered it to the doorstep of their tents. They didn't need to go out searching, chasing, hunting, or even sitting in prayer for hours to receive this free grace gift from God. But as people do, the Israelites soon looked at this undeserved gift and demanded more. They were no longer satisfied with the daily provision of manna. Meat was missing. They were demanding meat, and they didn't just ask for it. They commanded it. As they did this, they stopped trusting God to care for them. The daily manna came each day without fail. Over two million people were fed with God's supply. And if the people attempted to be greedy and stock up with more manna, then a one-day supply, it would not be edible. This would keep them dependent upon God as he guided and directed their path. 
Moses teaches that God gave the people what they asked for, but they would pay dearly for it. We learn in Numbers chapter 11, verses 18 through 20, and tell the people to purify themselves, for tomorrow they will have meat to eat. Tell them the Lord has heard your whining and complaints. If only we had meat to eat, and it won't be for just a day or two, or five or ten, or even twenty, you will eat it for a whole month until you get and are sick of it. For you've rejected the Lord who is here among you, and you've complained to him, why did we ever leave Egypt? The adage, be careful what you ask for because you may just get it, is true. God doesn't always place a hedge of protection around us. When we go to him with a sinful attitude, he may just grant us our request, which may come in the form of a trial. Getting what we want may prove to be costly. Recently, we've recounted many of Jesus's miracle teachings that specifically were performed on the Sabbath day. Through the telling of these stories, we too share in and are witnesses to God's spectacular power. It doesn't matter what our spiritual maturity level is, God is always essential in all of our lives. Scripture teaches not to lean upon our own understanding of situations because when we do, we endanger ourselves to possibly bypassing God's assessment of the situation. So instead, we must remain committed to what God has done in our lives before through his past works while looking ahead at his present power, making sure that we don't cut off his potential to help in our lives. We must always trust. Our God is strong and mighty. He is consistent and faithful. And as we learned, he offers us provision, perpetuity, purpose, and protection. But what can we learn from the Israelites from all of their complaining? Surely there's a lesson in it. So let's look now into seven specific examples all found throughout the pages of the book of Numbers. Number one, the Israelites complained about their hardships. This was considered sin because instead of praying to God, they were complaining. Instead of telling their problems how big their God was, they were telling God how, how big the problem was by complaining. The result was that thousands of people were destroyed when God sent a plague of fire to punish them. Number two, the Israelites complained about the lack of meat. They lusted after things they didn't have. God fulfilled their request, but as they began to eat, God struck them with a plague that killed many. Thirdly, they complained of being stuck in the wilderness facing the giants of the promised land and wishing to return to Egypt. This was seen as open rebellion against God's leaders and failing to trust in God's promises. Therefore, all who complained were not allowed to enter into the promised land. Instead, they were doomed to wander in the wilderness until they died. Number four, the people even complained about Moses and his brother priest Aaron's authority and leadership. The people sinned by behaving with greedy spirits who desired more power and authority for themselves. This resulted in the families, the friends, and possessions of Korah, Dathan, and 
Abiram to be swallowed up by the earth. Fire then burned up to 250 other men who rebelled. We learn in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, where the Apostle Paul says, For bad company corrupts good character. This is referring to keeping company with unbelievers of the resurrection. We must remain mindful and vigilant that our relationships point to Christ and not away from Him. Number five, the Israelites furthermore complained that both Moses and Aaron caused the deaths of Korah and his conspirators. This group was good at blame shifting. Have you ever known anyone like that? They want to just always shift the blame onto someone else instead of taking responsibilities for our own actions. They tended to blame others for their problems. When we're honest with ourselves, we sometimes also fall into this trap. In response, God began to destroy Israel with a plague. Moses and Aaron made atonement for the people, but 14,700 of them were killed. And number six, and the lack of water. As I write and record today's episode, I am in Mexico, so I can somewhat relate to the people's complaint that probably stemmed from a fear-based consciousness. The people were refusing to believe that God would provide as he had promised. The result was detrimental, and Moses sinned along with the people. Because of this, he was barred from entering into the promised land. And finally, number seven, the people complained that God and Moses brought them into the wilderness. They unequivocally failed to recognize that their problems were brought on by their own disobedience. You see, we learn in Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 6, then The people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient along the way, and they began to murmur against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this wretched manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them, and many were bitten and died. Have you ever wondered why a rampage of complaint even begins, but it seems to just become a harbinger effect of a snowball building up momentum, all from what seemed to be an innocent, small, maybe even minute statement? Well, Psalm 78 goes into lessons from history. Asaph recounts for us Israel's time of slavery in Egypt all the way through to David's reign. This psalm was told over and over again to each generation so they would not forget about God and make the same mistakes as their ancestors. I would highly suggest that you read Psalm 78. It's a little lengthy. If we look at the example the Israelites provide us, we see they were bitten by snakes as Christians. We too are bitten for our sins. Initially, our sin causes little pain, but turns into intense suffering if we don't deal with it in those initial stages. The Israelites suffered physical death from snake bites, but as Christians, we experience spiritual death from sin's poison. 
In response, Moses lifted up a bronze snake in the wilderness for the Israelites to look upon in repentance. We as Christians look upon Christ, who was also lifted up upon the cross, saving us from eternal death and giving us eternal life. We can see from these examples that a heart filled with thanksgiving and gratitude pleases the Lord. He doesn't like murmuring or complaining. A better way is to see the good in all. And we're reminded in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So join me back tomorrow as we continue exploring what the Word of God says about thankfulness and His miracles. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And remember, I love you, but more importantly, God loves you too. Amen. And friends, if you've not been spiritually reborn, God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A person must confess belief in His Son, Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion, and his righteousness is given to us at our conversion. While we can never repay this extraordinary or extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus, what we can do is we can show him our gratitude and our thanksgiving by growing in relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him and deepen this relationship daily. Today, friends, if this is you, respectfully, I'm going to challenge you now to take a bold step of courage and openly confess after me, Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, come into my heart and take up permanent residence. I'm confessing your shed blood washed away my past, present, and future sins upon that cross at Golgotha. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider growing in a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other like-minded believers who are going to help to build up and edify your faith. Now, allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the most important decision of your lifetime. Congratulations, and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. We do air a special children's podcast on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series, so I'm hopeful that you're going to tune in with your children and learn about the historical Bible stories that you might have grown up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives as we delve into many topics such as forgiveness, thankfulness, how to be joyful, what love and action looks like, biblical trust. And you know, I've just got to say right here that 
in order to have thankfulness and a heart filled with gratitude, we have to get to the root of forgiveness because it all stems from having a forgiving heart, one that is centered upon Christ, that and the outpouring from that, the natural spring will just yield to us thankfulness and gratitude naturally. So think about that. Keep that in mind and carry that with you today. So I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark together on an adventure of exploration of life together. So join me. And if you like this episode, Make sure to subscribe so that you're going to get the latest releases as they become available. And occasionally, I do reference material from my book with the same name, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you find the content to be inspiring or compelling, or you want to do a rigorous deep dive study for yourself, you can pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or at Barnes & Noble. Amazon, or Dorrance.com. And importantly, friends, if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'm going to find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. The book is full of God's word and it's waiting for you to read it. So until next time, remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And the Apostle John gives us this final blessing in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.